I don't hear my, oh, now I hear myself. Heavenly Father, Lord God, uh, just can't help but thanking and appreciating your amazing grace. It is truly amazing, Lord. Knowing that none of us should be here because we all should have been dying on a old rugged cross as soon as we were born. But you, Lord, you allowed your son to intervene and he went to the cross in our place because of your grace and because of your mercy. We thank you for that, Lord. And because you've allowed us to See another day, be another day in the land of the living. There must be something new that we need to learn about you and therefore to learn about ourselves. So, Lord, I pray that you hide me behind the cross. Let it be all of thee and none of me. Use me for your glory so that these, your people, might be lifted up. Thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do in and through the message that you've given me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We, um, uh, I guess we need to put the scripture up there first, don't we? Can we do that, Jacob? This is a New American Standard version, uh, which I I use a lot of different translations, but this is, this is my favorite. And it's from Hebrews, the second chapter, verses 1 through 10. And it reads, For this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed by, to us by those who heard. God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. For he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere, saying that what is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him for a little while, 
lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. But we do see him, capital H, who was made for a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him, capital H, for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through suffering. Through suffering. Now, the author, the author of our salvation, my title is the captain of our salvation. See, numerous translations change that word, and they all mean the same. They all, they all are true. NIV says uh, the pioneer of our salvation. Uh, New Living Translation says the, the perfect leader of our salvation. New American Standard Version, which we just read, talks about the author of our salvation. But King James chooses a word that, that I choose to use today, the captain of our salvation, because the captain, the title captain is a military term, and we're going to get to that later. So, so as we, we look into this book of the Hebrews, um, there's, there's debate as to who wrote it. Some say Paul, some say Apollos, um, some say, I don't know, who else do they say? They say, um, there's a few other names that they, they throw around as who might have been the writer of, of Hebrews. But the bottom line is there. And if it's there, that means God wants it to be there. An important word in the book of Hebrews is the word better. Better. We, we like better. Chapter 7, verse 19 talks about a better hope. Verse 22 talks about a, a better testament. Chapter 8, verse 6 talks about a, a better covenant. The book of Hebrews also includes the idea of better in the sense of a more enduring. Hebrews 7, 23 through 24, a better priest. The former priests 
on one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. In other words, the the priests of the Old Testament, they died out. But Jesus, on the other hand, is better because he continues forever holding his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. We have an advocate. You know, we are sinners. We sin daily. But we have an advocate who intercedes for us. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we don't we don't sever our fellowship with him. Our relationship is eternal. But our fellowship can be severed because of daily sins that we commit which is why he's given us his word in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when we are cleansed, we restore the fellowship with God. We have a better offering, a better offering. Chapter 7, verse 26 and 27. For it is fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Who does not need daily, like those high priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins, and then for the sins of the people. Because this he did once for all, when he offered up himself. Why are things better? Because we have a perfect leader who is Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation. I told you last week the Bible is a Jesus book. The types and shadows of the Old Testament are fulfilled by Jesus in the New Testament. Folks were saved in the Old Testament the same way that we are saved today, through faith. The entire Old Testament religion rests its structure on the foundation of faith. The only difference 
is folks in the Old Testament look forward by faith to the cross. Today, we look by faith back to the cross and the finished work of Jesus Christ. They look forward to the promised Redeemer. And now we look back to the provided Redeemer, who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me explain these types and shadows of the Old Testament by using chemistry. We have two minerals, two minerals which are essential to human life. Sodium and chloride. But when they are put together, we get salt, which is a necessary ingredient to make our food taste better. But too much of it, you know, we know it's bad for us. can create high blood pressure. Hydrogen, in its normal condition, is a gas. Oxygen is also a gas. But when we put them together, we can clearly see water and taste its goodness. So when you put together in the Old Testament the types and shadows that Jesus fulfills in the New Testament and you connect them in the stories and the, and the events of the Old Testament, when you make the connection, you can clearly see Jesus. That's why the, the Bible is a, a Jesus book. I'm going I'm to take you, I'm going to go off on a tangent for a minute and, and, and show you something because, you know, in the, in the, in the book of Jude, uh, God's word tells us that in, in the last days, um, there's going to be false teachers. We live in the last days now. In the last days, there's going to be these false teachers and, 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 and people. Church folks are going to be attracted to them because, um, because of their itching ears. You know, people will be attracted to things that, that sound good and look good, but they're not good form. So I, I want to I take you to, to, to Isaiah for a minute. And, and uh, Isaiah, the ninth chapter, and I just want to read something that, that false teachers are claiming, which is, which is totally unbiblical. Just give me a minute, I'll get there. Isaiah, the ninth chapter. And this is a familiar passage. 
here Isaiah is talking about Jesus Christ. Talking about Jesus Christ uh, about 700 years before he was born in the manger. That's the kind of God we serve. It can tell you something that's going to happen 700 years before it happens. So, so here in, in uh, where am I at? Starting Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6. For a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Now, now let me tell you something how people twist stuff. There's a group of people who, who basically are Jesus only. And what I mean by that is that they confess that it's only Jesus that Jesus is the Father, that Jesus is the Son, that Jesus is the Holy Spirit. He's just changing roles depending on what he has to do. There's one false teacher who claims it this way. All you need to know that Jesus is the Father in creation the Son in redemption, and the Holy Spirit in regeneration. That's a lie from the pit of hell. So you think about Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. So Jesus, who's in the Garden, is praying to Jesus, who is in heaven. Our God is not the author of confusion. That's confusing to me. Jesus down here in the garden is praying to Jesus in heaven. We don't serve that kind of God. So let me look look at this scripture or remember what I said. It says here that he is Eternal Father. They use that to claim that, see, here, Jesus is the Father. Let me explain. It says, Eternal Father. That's the title. That's not who he is. That's a title. Let me, let me break it down further. We have George Washington, who is considered the father of our nation. And I believe we have Albert Einstein, who, who is considered the, the father of mathematics. What this means is that Jesus is the father of eternity. Because without Jesus, 
There is no eternity. He's the author. He's the captain of our salvation because without Jesus, there is no salvation. And we'll explain that as we go further in Hebrews because we have a a first Adam who kind of messed up everything. But we have a last Adam, Jesus Christ, who has corrected everything. Mighty quiet in here. So captain of our salvation is the the title, his title that I prefer, because captain is a military term. And we must understand that we are in a spiritual battle. We have a spiritual enemy. And in any military battle, we have a military leader. The captain gives an order. You know, when I was in the Navy, the captain would give an order, and you would salute, and you would say or respond, aye, aye, captain, meaning that I understand the order, and to the best of my ability, I am going to obey. That's military. You can get in a lot of trouble for disobeying a direct order. There's consequences. And likewise, there are consequences when we disobey our captain. I think it was said last week that that, um, obedience is optional. No. Obedience is not optional. There's consequences. There's consequences for disobeying the captain of your salvation. Surprise, surprise. I'm almost finished. (laughs) When we learn to obey our captain, who is Jesus Christ, the results will be stated in Ephesians 4. 14 through 16. It says, as a result, as a result of being obedient to our captain, it says, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by the craftiness in deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together 
by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. When we look at chapter 2, which our text came from, there's a warning. We must pay closer attention to what we have heard. What have we heard? It's all about continuing in, in, in chapter 1 of Hebrews. It talks about he's spoken to us, God has spoken to us in times past through the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Pay closer attention to what you have heard. Who are you listening to? That's what we have to ask ourselves. Who are we listening to? We can't listen to everybody because there's false teachers out there. Because we, if, if we listen to people, it says we, we might drift away. Drift away. Uh, and, and that drifting, you don't recognize it right away. A drift means drift. You know, when, you, when you're fishing, I'm a fisherman, you, you fish and you, you get to a spot and you drop anchor. And sometimes, without you being aware, that anchor gives way and you begin to drift. And it might be a few minutes, might be 15 minutes, might be a half hour if you're not paying attention. Oh, the anchor must have slipped and we've drifted off of our spot. Those are tactics of the enemy. He allows us to hear things we shouldn't hear, see things we shouldn't see. And before we know it, we've drifted away from the things that we heard through God's word and through Jesus Christ. There's a danger in that. That's why it starts out with this warning. Then in, in verse 2, let me get back to Hebrews. Hebrews, Hebrews. Verse 2, it says, For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, in other words, if justice had been done, none of us would be here. If justice had been done, None of us will be. How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was, after it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. The prophets, the children of Israel. God also testifying with them 
both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. We all know the miracles, turning, turning uh, water into wine, parting the Red Sea, uh, the tabernacle signifying the presence of God, how he led the children through the wilderness, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, all the miracles that we know about, gifts of the Holy Spirit, how he gave the Holy Spirit to men of old because he had a work for them to do. See, the Holy Spirit didn't just show up when Jesus died on the cross and we received him as Lord and Savior. Now he's in each and every one of us who believe and have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's why Jesus said it's expedient that I go away because if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit will not come. Because it was Jesus with us, God with us. Now it's God in us. See, see, some of the problems in the church is that we, we just, I don't know, I guess it just takes a while for us to understand just how blessed we are. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. So the validation came through the things that we've, we've heard about and read about in Scripture. How, how the children of Israel were hungry and he rained bread from heaven. How they got tired of the bread so he rained quail from heaven. How he provided on every hand, every mile they went. God was still providing, still providing. And God still provides today. But we have to be careful that we don't drift. That we don't drift. Then, then in verse 5 and 6, 5 and 6, it says, for he did not subject to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking but one has testified somewhere saying what is man that you remember him or the son of man that you are concerned about him I believe these are angels speaking angels kind of complaining you know uh, this man that you've created, why are you worried about him? He's a mess. He is a mess. Why are you bothered with folk? That's what they were telling God when he created us and we messed up after he had crowned us with glory we messed up. And I say we because if any of us had been in the position of Adam and Eve in that garden, we would have done the same thing. So we can't blame nobody. And that's why God is clear in Romans when he said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
all of us. All of us would have did the same thing if we had been created first. We would have did the same thing because God created us with what is called volition. Meaning what we have the ability to choose or choose otherwise. He didn't create us as robots. And with that otherwise, that's how sin entered the world. So now, in verse 7 and 8, we're talking about the first Adam. Listen to what it says in verse 7 and 8. You have made him for a little while lower than the angels. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. And you have appointed him over the works of your hands. That's how it was in the beginning. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. We don't see them now because sin interrupted everything. That's the first Adam. So now it changes from the first Adam to the second Adam. Verse 9 and 10. But, got to pay attention to the buts in the Bible. But, we do not see him, but, excuse me, but we do see him who was made a little lower for a little while to the angels. I'm talking, namely, Jesus. Because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. That is the difference between the first Adam and the last Adam. Jesus is the last Adam because we don't need no more Adams. Jesus finished it all at the cross. That's why he is referred to as the last Adam. First Adam got us in trouble. Sin interrupted everything, how God created us perfectly, in charge of everything. Everything that he created, mankind had charge over it. But we lost it through disobedience. So we needed a, another Adam. We needed Jesus who came down from glory clothed himself in humanity for the sole purpose of dying for you and me on that cross. That's what we have. We have a last Adam. 
perfect leader. As King James says, the captain of our salvation. The captain of our salvation. I'm, I'm finished after I put, after Jacob puts this last scripture up here. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey, who obey him, the source of eternal salvation. Scripture is clear. We need to be working out our salvation. Working it out. And how do we work it out? By striving to be obedient to the things that Jesus has said and the things that Jesus has commanded us to do. So obedience is not an option. There's consequences to disobeying. And consequences may last a lifetime. So it's not about, you know, just, you know, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I'm going to just sit around, wait around for Jesus to come back and take me home. Captain's coming back. That's one of the pillars of our, our, our foundation of Christianity. Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back for his church, his body of believers, his ecclesia. Ecclesia, the one called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And if we have been called out, out of darkness, into the light, then we need to obey the commands of Jesus. And one of the most important is to go. Go, be a witness, and tell all of those who are willing to listen that salvation is available. And that salvation is only available through our captain, who is Jesus Christ. God bless you. I'm finished.